All right, our, our scripture reading for today is only a few verses, but there's a lot packed within them. So turn with me, if you would, to the Gospel of John. Um, if, if you didn't bring a Bible, take the one out in front of you. And if you don't own a Bible, or you can't find your Bible, or whatever it might be, the Bible in front of you is now yours. It's our gift to you through the Dwayne Arnold Bible Fund. Uh, donations make it possible for us to be able to give those Bibles away. And so we want you to take Take one. Um, it honors Dwayne and it sends you with the word of God wherever you go. So please open up your Bibles and join us together in John chapter 7, beginning at verse 37. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, on the third Wednesday of every month, we, we have this event we call Every Third Wednesday. Um, and it's, it's when our junior senior, every third, doesn't that sound original, right? Uh, that's, that's, we call it, that's what we call it, that's the title. We were tired that day. Um, but anyway, I, I have the privilege on that day, every third Wednesday, of spending time with our junior senior high students, um, which includes the kids that are being confirmed here today, uh, alongside their regular youth leaders, uh, Steve Quist and Aaron Troxell. And I use the term privilege loosely this week uh, because this, this last Wednesday was the last Wednesday of the school year and Cassie and Steve planned an activity. And this activity was called 10 Bags of Doom. And, and I'll explain to you what that means. There were 10 brown paper bags waiting for us with each one having within it a mysterious substance most of which were liquid, by the way. And what we did is we would play different competitive games, 10 different competitive games, and at the end of each game, the student that won the game got to choose one of the bags. They got to choose one of the leaders. We had to sit down, and without knowing what was in the bag, they took it out, and they poured it over our heads. Now, you might be wondering what these mysterious items were. Let me give you just an example. Um, there was hair gel. There was an entire container of glue. There was spaghetti sauce. There was baby food. There was even a can of sauerkraut. Steve Quist got that one. And, and then there was the large can of baked beans. And I've got a little video of that. Take a look at this. Oh, you just gotta rip it off like a band-aid. Yeah. Yeah. Just do it now! Yep, so there's what we looked like after the event, and if you see remnants of those things in the parking lot, if you parked in the back now, you know why. 
Um, yeah, Kathy's asking, what, what did I have? I don't even remember, but the last thing that they dumped on me was dry, which actually made it worse because it stuck to all the things that were wet. So <laughs> I was, I literally, I was so thankful. I live a mile and a half away, and, and, I, and I took a, a rubber floor mat from the back of my minivan, and I put it right under my butt, and that's what I did to get home. So anyway... I was studying our passage this week in John 7, and I realized that there are some similarities between what took place here at church on Wednesday and what took place when Jesus spoke these words. Now, now don't get me wrong. Nothing was being poured over anyone's head, but there was pouring, and there was screaming, and there was cheering, and there was a big mess, and there was a lot of celebrating. And so we'll get to all that in a minute. But before we get to all of that, I, I, I want to give you some context for today. Today's uh, part of a two-part series we're doing on Pentecost. Pentecost is technically next Sunday. And if you've never been in church for Pentecost, some of you are wearing red, so you know that we're celebrating it today. I'm wearing a little bit of pink. It's the closest that I could do. Uh, but it's the birthday of the church. It's the day that 2,000 years ago, the believers that were gathered in Jerusalem were given this great gift of the Holy Spirit, God's literal presence within them. But we've got to go back and look at the history to really understand the significance of this day and how it relates to all the chaos that I showed you happened here at church on Wednesday. The word Pentecost comes from the Greek word for 50. And it's actually a Jewish festival or feast known as Shavuot in Hebrew. And it's known as the Feast of Weeks because it comes seven weeks after another Jewish festival, Passover. You know the Passover. And, and Jesus came and he fulfilled all of the Jewish festivals. And in John chapter 7... What we're reading about is not the day of Pentecost, but it's a different festival. It's the end of the Jewish festival known as the Feast of Tabernacles. Are you confused yet? All right, so, so this is the Feast of Tabernacles. And the Feast of Tabernacles is the time when Israel remembers their history, the people who had gone before them generations before and had spent time in the wilderness traveling from slavery in Egypt all the way to the promised land. And, and there's three main feasts of, over the course of the year uh, that faithful Jews, Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles, would make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem to go to the temple. And that was the case for Pentecost. It was the case for the Feast of Tabernacles. And the Feast of Tabernacles is what's happening in John chapter 7. And so now that you know that, think of thousands of faithful Jews gathered at the temple. Let's read it again. It says, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him would later receive, up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. He talks about living water. And living water sounds wonderful all by itself, doesn't it? 
If you're thirsty, living water sounds great, but you find references to living water in all kinds of places, even just in the Gospel of John. If we go to John chapter 4, you may remember the story about the Samaritan woman at the well. Jesus interacts with this woman in the middle of the day, and if you don't know the story, she's there not at the normal time you would draw water from a well, which would be in the morning. Instead, she's come in the afternoon under the hot Middle Eastern sun. And we know the reason why is because she's living under self-condemnation, guilt, shame. She's avoiding other people. And Jesus shows up in this moment when she's alone. And he offers her living water, living water so that that she would never run dry. And she wanted this water. She literally wanted the water so that she would not have to go back to that well. And it reminds me of a conversation I've had with my kids several times now over the years as they get older. Um, They start to ask questions about money and economics. And one of the questions that my kids have asked um, different times at different ages is when they see that, that everybody really would like to have more money. Like, like, just show of hands, how many of you believe that your life would be made better or easier if you had more money? Show of hands. All right, and the rest of you are lying, okay? <laughs> or you're really wealthy. I don't know. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Some of us have learned this lesson, but most of us operate, and kids pick up on the reality that, that we strive for more money. And so I know my kids over the years have, have asked me the question, if we need more money, why can't we just go buy a money-making machine that'll print more money? <laughs> Like, like it's, it's a logical question if you're like five or six and you're like, it's just paper, right? It, they're just coins. And, 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 and I wish it was that simple. And, and I wish it was simple to answer it. But it's not. And so I usually fumble with the question and, and somehow try to explain that, that our true need isn't for more legal tender, right? It, it's not for these, these dollar bills and coins, but what we really want, what we really need is what backs those things up, things of real, true worth. And so it reminds me of, of Jesus offering living water. What the Samaritan woman wanted was a money-making machine, That's what she wanted. She didn't want to be physically thirsty. Instead, Jesus came to give her an unlimited supply of gold bars. He came to give her living water that wouldn't just take away her physical thirst, but that would also wash away her sin and her pain and her shame and her guilt and her loneliness. I mean, don't you you want that kind of water? It's a beautiful story, and Jesus came to offer it to this woman. And then in John chapter 7, we come again to this this concept of living water. And this time, it's on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. And, And remember, this is one of the main festivals where Jews from far and wide have entered Jerusalem. Jerusalem is bursting at the seams. And these people are here to remember the time and to thank God for the time when their ancestors traveled from Egypt to the Promised Land. They were nomadic people at this time. They lived in tents, which are also called tabernacles. And so they had a lot to celebrate and to be grateful for, not the least of which was that God provided for their needs during that season of time. He gave them manna from heaven, bread from heaven, but he also gave them water and informed Moses to strike a rock 
and water would come out. We read about it in the book of Exodus 17. I will stand there before you, says God, by the rock at Horeb, strike the rock, and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. And for generations after, they celebrated this great miracle on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles in a ritual that they call the Water Libation Festival. Here's a picture of the Water Libation Festival. Are you, are you following me so far? Are we, are we on track here with the history, with the timeline? Okay, so last day of the festival, this is the water libation ceremony. This is what came to my mind when I was thinking about what was taking place here at church this past Wednesday. Because here's what they would do. The priest would travel from the temple down to the pool of Siloam, which in John chapter 9 is the pool that Jesus sends the man that he heals from being blind to go and be washed, this ritual cleansing. And so the priest would go from the temple on this day in the morning and would go down to that pool and would fill up a gold pitcher with water. I, I don't have gold because I wanted you to see what's inside, okay? But he would take, he would take the water and, and the priest would bring it back to the temple and he would take that water along with wine and he would pour it over a perforated dish on the altar where it would splash out everywhere and in addition to that there would be trumpets blaring people would be screaming you would have cymbals crashing psalms singing and they would chant and sing the words from the prophet Isaiah chapter 12 say these words with me with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation it was such a sight to see that they said that if you had never actually been at this ceremony, you have never actually experienced true joy. That's what it was said about this water libation festival. The, the closest thing I can think of is, is if you really like live music and you've been to a concert with thousands of people, and this band that you just absolutely love, they're just on and they're singing your favorite song and so is everybody else. It isn't just about the music, is it? It's an experience and this is that kind of experience and yet it's so much more because it's the true story of their ancestors. It's God's provision, it's spiritual. God is with them in the midst of it. And so I thought, you know what? I think we should try it. <laughs> And that's why you have a kazoo. <laughs> you came in this morning. I want you to take out your kazoo, okay? I know it's not a trumpet, but I know we don't know, all know how to play trumpet. So, so take out your kazoo. Let's test it. Blow it. All right. All right, so we got, we got that. I've also, I've also got one of these things, because when I went to the dollar store to buy you these, I, I found these party poppers. Who wants to do the party popper? All right, I think Nina wants to do the party popper, okay? So here you go, Nina. All right, I think you got to take the top off. Um, I should probably take it off and not in front of you, right? 
There we go. Okay. And then I think you twist this at the appropriate time. All right? All right. So we got a party popper. Everybody's got your kazoo. Let's blow. If you don't have your kazoo, I just want you to scream. All right? If you didn't get a kazoo, you could just scream, wave your hands, do, do whatever it is that you want to do. And I'm going to tell you to do that on the count of three. And when I say go, I want you to keep going. I'm going to speak. And I want you to keep going while I'm speaking and keep blowing your kazoo and celebrating and waving until I tell you to stop, all right? Ready? One, two, three. <laughs> keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. It was at this moment, while all of this was going on, that Jesus said these words. He said in a loud voice, let those who are thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, streams of living water will flow from within them. You can stop. And now I need to change my shirt. <laughs> it was at that moment, while all of those things are going on, while all of that is taking place during this incredible water libation ceremony, when the definition of joy is being experienced, Jesus says in a loud voice, this whole thing is going to soon live inside of you. By this he meant the Spirit with whom those who believed in him would later receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. And you know when Jesus will be glorified? Well, that's the night of the Passover when he would be arrested. The festival when the Jewish people would be back in Jerusalem to remember the horrible injustice that their people were enslaved in Egypt for 400 years, and God liberated them. And in doing so, he spared their firstborn son. See, you don't know the story. The Egyptian pharaoh was stubborn, wasn't he? He didn't let Israel go, and the consequences of his stubbornness brought plagues upon his own people, the worst of which every firstborn son in Egypt died. And yet God made a way for the sons of Israel to be spared when he told them to sacrifice the perfect lamb and paint its blood over their doorposts. And if they did, when the angel of death came, it would pass over their homes. That's why we call it the Passover festival. Remember, Jesus came to fulfill all of these festivals, every one of them, and he fulfilled the Passover festival by becoming the perfect sacrificial lamb whose blood would be shed not only to save the firstborn of Israel, but to save the world. And on the cross, after Jesus died, we read in John chapter 19, it says, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. 
Does that remind you of something? It's the water libation festival. Just like the water libation festival, this time, though, the water that purifies comes straight from the body of God's own son, Jesus. And the wine isn't wine, but it's blood. It was shed for you and for me and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. And three days later, Jesus would overcome death itself by rising from the grave. And then 50 days later, living water would be given to all of the believers in Jerusalem on Pentecost through the giving of the Holy Spirit. And from that moment on, the greatest joy in the world would be found not in a festival. It would no longer require a pilgrimage, but the substance of joy and love and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control would be available to them and to you and to me and all who believe by the presence of the Spirit itself. And what does that make possible? Well, ultimately, God's presence enables us to be called his children. The Apostle Paul writes in Galatians, same letter we receive, these, this fruit of the Spirit description. He says, at the time when the, when, the time, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out Abba, Father. Because the Spirit of God lives in us. We belong to God. Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us, right? To be with him forever. But that presence of God's Spirit reminds us from the inside that we are never alone, that we belong to him. And one of the most powerful stories that illustrates this is one I shared on Christmas Eve a number of years ago in a book that I read some time ago titled Adopted for Life by author and pastor Russell Moore. And he talks about how he and his wife Maria experienced their experience in adopting their two sons from an orphanage in Russia. And he says, and I quote, he says, the creepiest sound that I have ever heard is nothing at all. And he goes on to describe that that was the sound of the orphanage See, when a baby's born, a baby cries, right? That's what we want. We want a baby to cry. The problem is that if a baby cries long enough and their basic needs for food or drink or comfort are not met, babies stop crying. And this whole orphanage was full of babies who had stopped crying. And it was in that silence that Russell and Maria were led to two one-year-old boys that they were hoping to adopt as sons. And in his book, he writes this. He says, the silence continued as we entered the boys' room. Little Sergey, now Timothy, smiled at us, dancing up and down while holding the side of his crib. Little Maxim, now Benjamin, stood straight at attention, regal and czar-like, but neither boy made a sound. We read them books filled with words they couldn't understand about saying goodnight to the moon and cows jumping over the same. But there were no cries, 
no squeals, no groans. Every day we left at the appointed time in the same way that we entered, in silence. And then he tells the adoption process in Russia, which required that they would then leave the country, physically leave the country, while all of the legal paperwork was being done. And only when that was finished could they come back and adopt their two sons. And so what that meant was that they had to say goodbye after spending several days with these two one-year-old boys. And he continues, he says, After hugging and kissing them, we walked out into the quiet hallway as Maria shook with tears. And that's when we heard the scream. Little Maxim fell back in his crib and let out a guttural yell. It seemed he knew, maybe for the first time, that he would be heard. On some primal level, he knew that he had a father and a mother now. I will never forget how the hairs on my arms stood up as I heard the yell. Little Maxim's scream changed everything. More, I think, than did the judge's verdict, the notarized paperwork. It was the moment in his recognizing that he would be heard that he went from being an orphan to being a son. The water libation festival's fun. The kazoos are fun. But that's what Paul meant when he said in Galatians chapter 4 that when the time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, cries out, celebrates Abba, Father. And it happened on Pentecost, and it happens in the waters of baptism by the Spirit of God in all people, including you and me and all who believe. And it doesn't mean we don't cry for our Father. And it doesn't mean that we don't question. And it doesn't mean that we don't always have total confidence over every final detail of God and our faith. But with the Spirit dwelling in us, we know that we are never alone, that we are not orphans, that we are God's, that He is our Father. And from Him, Isaiah 12, 3 is true. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. So would you join me now as we pray? Almighty God and Father in heaven, as we come forward before you in our hearts and our minds and our spirits, as we prepare to physically come for you, before you to, to receive communion, we thank you for your sacrifice. 
We thank you for the presence of the Spirit of God that dwells within us, that enables us to celebrate our place as adopted sons and daughters of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, that we can approach the throne of heaven and call out Daddy, Father, because we belong to you. You have made us your own. That is true joy. That is true celebration. That is true living water to all those who are thirsty. To those who come to this place in brokenness, in body, mind, spirit, relationship, sin, whatever it might be. May you enable us to know that we are yours and that you are ours. May we feel a twinge of joy in the depths of our being that doesn't come from us or a kazoo or water or festival, but that comes from the celebration that happens within as we celebrate the truth that you are with us and that we are with you. It is in Jesus' name that we continue to pray as we open up our eyes and as we stand And as we prepare our hearts to proclaim,